Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. state of mind we are a chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of south side guys with an unapologetic chicago bias if this city could talk it would say chicago versus everybody hey dub what's a good word fam man i'm good over here friends man looking at some yoga classes bro i'll try to stay stress-free man and get this body right man Shit, I like that, man. Let me know what you come up with. I've always wanted to try that. You know, they got a lot of, what do you call it? You know, a lot of things they've been saying about males doing, um, you know, yoga and how why guys don't want to do it. You know, they, they think it's more feminine, but I don't think of that. Think of oh, you saying nature. stigma attached to it? I man. don't have that mindset. Shit, me either. I mean, listen, you know, I go get my Manny Petties. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> exactly. I'm with you there. I'm going to give it a try, friends. I'll definitely keep you informed, man. Bet, man. I, I definitely like that. I do acupuncture. Yeah. That's been kind of cool for like a little stress relief. And it also helps pain. I get a little pain in my shoulder every once in a while from just old football injury. That acupuncture, man, it does wonders. It does. It relaxes you too, man. I actually used to have acupuncture on my face, bro. On the side of my face. I've done okay. it that way before. Okay. How many needles did they do? Because, I'm them, man, they get all crazy with them needles. I'm like, all right, man, how many needles you going to break out now? Hey, friends, I had put my camera up to my face, my phone, to see yeah. how many was in there. I was like, damn, it's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that shit, that shit does wonders. It does wonders. But no, it, hey, I love to hear, man, that you're looking at ways to maximize your health. But also, too, man, that yoga, from all the people that I have heard that said that they've done it, the biggest thing that they all say is it kind of just gives them a little bit of peace of mind. It's a big stress relief. So I'm sure for you, that's probably what you're looking for. Let's get into this episode, but before we do, we got Christmas on the horizon, and I'm sure our audience will probably be kind of curious to know a little bit more about us and some of our Christmas traditions, so A-Dub, go on and kick us off. One of the things we always do, no matter how old we get, we always watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Nice. It's always fun to take you back to your childhood and think about the great things, uh, the gifts you got. And what was playing was that, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was one of those things that we used to watch and to keep the kids to keep us in that spirit. That's what's up, man. And it's nostalgic, right? So probably even now when you see that joint, you probably think back to those good times. Absolutely, man. Every time I watch it. I kind of like yours with the uh, with the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mine is Charlie Brown Christmas. I love watching that. That's one of the things that I still do to this day. But in addition to that, on Christmas morning, me and the fam will get up, listen to Christmas music. We'll have some cinnamon rolls. I make a spiked hot chocolate drink. And we just sit around, listen to the music, open gifts, man, and just kind of hang out. That's like the thing that we've been doing. And it's just really cool, man. I'm really looking forward to it because as you and I was chopping it up this week, work has been crazy. This podcast network is starting to grow. And it's been just a lot of different things that we've been getting pulled into. So I'm looking forward to a little downtime with the fam this weekend, man. 
that downtime is much, much needed. And these are the, the moments that matter. I mean, you and I both were both driven individuals. We love to accomplish goals, but that time with your family, friends, man, that stuff, you can't get that stuff back. And I cherish that just as much as I cherish the goals that we were making with this network. You're right with family and friends, friends. That's a special time, man, a special bond. You know, it takes your mind away from other things you've been doing. That is time you just can't get back, man. So I just say we got to do a good job at, you know, enjoying those moments. So you're going to get your chance to do so. So am I. Well, audience, this show is brought to you by Crave It. Join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. The Crave It app is available on Apple and Android. Hey, Dub, I thought we'd kick off this episode by talking to the audience a little bit about the Chicago White Sox. So audience, as you guys know, was still entrenched in this MLB lockout. However, <laughs> for our White Sox listeners out there, you guys know that Craig Kimbrough was on this team. We made that trade with the Cubs to bring him over to the South Side. The trade did not go how we thought it was going to go. However, we're hearing some rumors through the grapevine that the Phillies are interested potentially in bringing Craig Kimbrough into their organization. And now, A-Dub, that was one of the teams that was looking at Kimbrough when the Cubs were looking to trade him this summer. Yeah, man. It's just good to see now the Phillies starting to uh, want to look at Kimball and probably get him for their team, you know, and help their bullpen. But it'll probably also be good for the White Sox. I'm quite sure they want to unload that big contract right there. When they made that trade with the Cubs, we went into it okay with trading a guy like Nick Magical and trading another major league ready ball player because we knew that we were going to have a year and a half of Craig Kimball in a Sox uniform. And that, right. that 2022 option year got picked up. However, this trade, to the point you were making a second ago, it was so bad for us that the Sox are probably just looking, like you said, to get out from underneath that contract. But I still think the closer market is so weak right now that the, the White Sox will probably still be able to get some decent assets back in the trade. Absolutely. You think about last season with the Cubs with Kimbrough. He was very good in the closer role. I just understand being a set of man, you and I talked about this being a little bit different. So he may have had a little bit of a struggles, but it looks like, you know, Kimball still has some value. So you're right, man. There are some teams out there like the Phillies. That market's very thin. So I think you're right. You will get something back in return for him. Yeah, and White Sox fans, we know why Rick Conn and company went after Kimbrell. We had championship hopes. We had yep. championship hopes. And what we thought was that was going to be the guy that was going to get us over the, the hump. And it didn't happen the way we expected. However. There's going to be a market for him, and hopefully the White Sox are able to capitalize. It looks like that's something definitely in the works right there, Perez. Yeah, so we'll definitely uh, see what happens, but the White Sox are going to be in good hands. We got a closer. We're good to go here. Rick Hahn, he swung for the fences. That shit happens sometimes, so it, <laughs> it does. is what it is. <laughs> exactly. It happens, man. Well, let's segue over to our University of Illinois, our Illini basketball content. So, Ada, we had a lot of listeners that was hitting us up in our DMs and a lot of people that I even met in person at the uh, Illinois St. Francis game. You know, I was telling a lot of people about the show and what we do here. So we got a lot of people that are tuning in. And I told them, I said, we're Chicago sports podcast. But as everybody knows, the Illini are Chicago's Big Ten team. So we're going to definitely be covering this team now and in the future audience. So this is where you want to come. We're going to be your go-to spot for Illini coverage. So Ada. Looking at this matchup that the Illini had against St. Francis, neither of us were surprised that we saw that we blew them out. I mean, we were expecting that. St. Francis, right. they're a lower-level type of team. 
And so in this matchup, the Illini did what the Illini was supposed to do in a matchup like this. They just ran through St. Francis, man. And I mean, the threes, I mean, they were consistent at hitting the three ball. Kofi was Kofi in the paint. You know, it was just like, you know, the, the guys really showed up. They showed out. They broke a school record with those threes. So to that point, they hit 18 three-pointers in that game. That was something in the, in the press conference before the coaches and the players got in there. A couple guys in the media room, we were all chatting about the fact of, man, dude, they broke the school record tonight. So that was really cool to see. They improved the 8-3 on the season. But one of the things that I really was encouraged by in this game was with Brad Underwood, when he got pissed off about that lack of rebounding, the A-Dub, you and I talked about this sequence, the one where St. Francis got offensive rebounds, like probably about four or five offensive rebounds in a row. Coleman Hawkins filled the box out at least two to three times, and then St. Francis scored. Brad Underwood called the timeout, and he did a mass sub. He took Coleman Hawkins and a couple guys out of the game, and he got in Coleman Hawkins' ass. And in that moment, you saw a shift. Big boss man came off the bench, gave them some good minutes there in that first half, hustle plays, energy. And I'm telling you one thing, he's a big, but he's one of the best guys on that team of getting Kofi the ball in a position where he can score. I'm going to go back to the first thing you shared is around. Coach Underwood is a very good coach for us. You're right. When he called that timeout, he pretty much pushed back on those and actually held them accountable for their faults on the rebounding, right? And said, hey, we got to do a better job at that. And when he made those subs, Perez, I was like, man, this is going to help get the team started. But I got to give Coach Underwood props for saying, look, I'm not going to allow you guys to not give you your full effort out there in the game. Yeah, because you also got to realize that leading up into this game, after the Arizona loss, Underwood said they were going to get back to having some Underwood practices. And what he meant by that is that there was going to be very little about those practices that were going to be non-competitive. So you know those guys, he had them playing hard in practice. So to see what Coleman Hawkins did in that sequence, I'm sure Brad wasn't happy about that. But one of the things that Brad did say in the press was the fact that he's very hard on Coleman, and he knows that Coleman has the potential to be great. And he said he's going to get it out of him. He did respond better in the second half, but also the thing to take note in this matchup, Coleman Hawkins didn't even start in the game. They started Jacob Grandison. Jacob Grandison did deliver, though, Press. Hey, he came out involved, but he's like, look, Hawkins, you're not going to give me what I need. It's okay to come off the bench moving forward. But, hey, look, Grandison wasn't a bad idea. He came to ball, Press. He was knocking that jump shot down, man, hitting the three ball, getting to the bucket, just doing almost everything out there. Jacob Grandison started all of last season, so he's not forward to the starting lineup here. And, honestly, I kind of like him being in that starting lineup because he brings some maturity to that lineup. He brings a really nice shot. And Coleman Hawkins is a very talented ball player. He he still has a lot to learn. And I think that Coleman, once his basketball IQ matches his potential and that athleticism that he has, that guy, he's going to be scary out there on the court. It's going to be scary as he continues developing, man. I like his height too, Perez. You kind of like that. You see a lot of potential with him, but you're right, Perez. That's something he has to continue to learn, man, and grow. And I think that's something we're probably going to see down the road with him. But I guess, and, and that's a fair point, Adub. one of the things too in this matchup that I really was impressed by with Illinois is the ball movement. There's that one sequence that's going all over Twitter, all over TV, where they basically swung that ball around. Every single guy on the court touched the ball. And it ended up with a three-pointer in the corner by Alfonso Plummer. And speaking of Alfonso Plummer, A-Dub, this guy right here has been a godsend. We got him off the transfer market. And I feel like he's exceeded every expectation that us Illini fans have because this guy's coming here 
and he is putting up 20-point game after 20-point game, a dub. He almost had 20 last that game against St. Francis. Uh, yeah, because he had 19 is, in the first half. Yeah, exactly. He was balling, man. This guy can score buckets, man, Prez. And the thing is, he's shooting that three very well. He's also making his free throws. This guy is really a great shooter. So you just can't say good shooter with him because looks like he's also working on his mid-range as well. And this is one of the things that kind of went around the presser after the game, realizing that Alfonso Plummer is probably going to, he's probably one of the most dynamic scorers in college basketball right now. And the fact that this is a guy that was available in the transfer market and we were able to bring him here to Illinois, just such a good get for us because he's been a blessing in disguise. If Andre Cabello hadn't got injured, we probably wouldn't be seeing this side of Alfonso Plummer because Alfonso Plummer would have been coming off the bench. Maybe it'd been a blessing in disguise what that happened with uh, Cabello. So I'm happy with Plummer, no doubt, Perez. He's delivering. He's earning his minutes. He's actually got coaches' trust. The, the team trusts him. And there is no telling where this team is going to go once Andre comes back. And that's the thing that gets me really excited when I look at this team because they're starting to gel. You can see they're starting to come together. And Cabello is still out. Just imagine what happens, man, when this kid comes back. And I'm hoping that at some point in January that Andre Cabello rejoins this team. We're going to need Andre. His ball handling skills, Perez, is uh, phenomenal. I think he's the guy that really gets everyone set up to their natural positions, Perez. And I think he'll make it easy for guys like Palmer and Grandison, too, when he comes back. So, you know, we had some struggles against that press break that we talked about. But, yeah, he'll definitely help in that in department. Now, one thing I want to touch back on is a point that you made about Kofi Coburn. Now, in this game, Kofi showed you exactly what he is, a very dominant ball player. He struck again. This man had 21 points in the ball game, and he was dominant in the post, another double-double. And it was funny, when he was trying to get that 10th rebound, he snatched the ball away from DeMonte Williams to get the 10th board, and I'm laughing my ass off because they asked him about <laughs> that in the presser, and he said that he didn't know that that was DeMonte. He said he thought it was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, salute to Kofi, man. And you writing that presser, he was hilarious. He was funny, man, and um, and he really loves his team. So I got to salute to him. He played his butt off, Perez. I mean, the blocking shots, the in the paint, the hustling, the screens he was setting. I mean, he done a phenomenal job in that game. You got to look at it. In that matchup, A-Dub, he was going up against a guy that was 6'10", but the guy was really thin. And so right. Kofi obviously had the size advantage, and he took advantage. And that's what we need to see Kofi do. And that's what I was really encouraged by, because the guy had the lift on him, but Kofi was still able to finish. And as I mentioned earlier, Boss man, got Kofi the ball in positions where he would be able to convert the score. That's going to be the key. These guys have to give Kofi the ball in really good positions. When, when they do that, this Illinois team is going to be really tough to beat. Yeah, you made a good point. You mentioned Bossman's prayers. And I think he's probably one of the most underrated players on this team. And I'm glad you brought his name up. He made good interior passes uh, to Kofi. I thought Williams also did the same thing, made good passes inside to Kofi. So if we're doing that press, that helps set up the outside shot when Kofi's double team and they would pass out of, that, out of that double team and get other guys involved in the game. And I think that's what we need to continue doing. So if Kofi going to dominate like that press, why not let the guy eat? And defensively, I thought they were very solid again in that matchup against St. Francis. Because of that way that they tightened up on defense, that's how they were able to pull away. The area of concern that I have for this team in regards to the number of offensive rebounds that they allow from St. Francis. They got to tighten that up on the offensive glass. They cannot have that happening. Because when you have a team like St. Francis ever to get those type of offensive boards, 
they could capitalize on those opportunities. Now, St. Francis wasn't able to, but imagine when the Big Ten season starts to approach and you give up double-digit rebounds to an opponent in the Big Ten, that's going to be a recipe for the disaster. So those big-name teams are actually scouting us, right? That's what they're going to do. They're going to look at the scout report. They're going to say, you know what, Illinois has struggled with rebounding and giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. So that's something they're going to try to take advantage of us on, probably try to bully us around the paint. So, yeah, that's something we got to clean up. And another thing, too, that I really like the fact of, okay, they took care of business, they held this opponent under 50 points, and because they were able to take control of this game, they had young guys that was able to get out there on the floor. And that's something that's going to be key because these are guys that are going to get meaningful minutes. Now, when they were able to get meaningful minutes in this game, that's only going to bode well for them and give them a little confidence. Bossmans, Podzinski, Luke Goody, RJ Melendez, these guys all came off the bench and they were really solid for us. And I love the fact that those young guys got that playing time in that game. Goody came in, gave us some valuable minutes. Melendez did the same thing. That's what you like about this Illinois team, man. When you're blowing the team out right there, Chris, you do give other players on the team an opportunity to go out there and play and to, hey, continue to learn and grow with the rest of the guys, get everybody back in rhythm just in case we need them for some of those big games. And I know a lot of people, when they were surprised when the lineup got changed and that Coleman Hawkins was the one that got benched because I'm sure a lot of people probably thought DeMonte Williams should be out of that lineup, but it's still... One of the things that people don't realize about a guy like DeMonte Williams, yeah, he may struggle offensively. Maybe his shot might not always go down, but that guy does a lot of intangible type work. A good defender, good rebounder, toughness. So that's something that looks like Brad Underwood prioritized. And it also seems like he's trying to send a message to Coleman Hawkins. So I hope that Coleman Hawkins is humbling himself and realizing like, hey, man, you got a ton of potential, but you got to put it all together. And your coach is right now sending you a message. Yeah, Coach definitely sent um, sent Hawkins a message. But you had a good point about Williams. Another thing that Williams also does well for us, he's a solid ball handler. As you can see with Plummer out there with him and Grandison, you see that Williams actually get a chance to really bring the ball up at times, right? Especially when we're getting pressed. So you can see where his value may come in at as well. But shit, Coleman Hawkins is a good ball handler too. I mean, I've talked about that on the show as well. 6'10", he's got a decent handle as well. Yeah, so I agree that is a part of DeMonte's game. However, he struggled scoring. He struggled offensively. So a lot of people were kind of wondering, is he the guy that's going to be the odd man out? So what we're seeing is that's not the case. So you seem that Brad Underwood is prioritizing the veterans right now, especially it seems like in this non-conference part of the schedule, that's probably going to be more important for him. And so we'll see what happens. But when I looked at that lineup, I said, boy, he's got a lot of experience (laughs) on the court right now. Kofi. Monte senior, Trent a senior, uh, yep. a senior. I'm like, dude, this these guys, uh, they're all upperclassmen. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Coach, like, I'm gonna go with the vets on this, man. That's something that uh, for Hawkins to look at and say, you know what? I, I gotta play a little bit like a vet, man, if I want to continue to get those valuable minutes. But it just shows the trust that Coach has in his leaders on the team. You know, those veterans. So that's always a good thing to see. Before we uh, segue over into the preview for the Bragging Rights game that's going to take place later on tonight. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the passion that I saw in Brad Underwood in that press conference after the game. And I asked him, what can this team learn from the 2001 to 2002 Big Ten championship team? So, audience, if you guys remember, we talked about the fact that they had a reunion. They were at the St. Francis game. And you guys probably all saw that they got honored at halftime. So I asked Coach Underwood, what can you learn from that team? And he just, man, he got fired up a dub. He was like, you know what? He said, this team was underrated, didn't get the credit that they deserve. And he talked about the fact that that team was the catalyst and foundation for 
the 2005 Final Four team that Illinois had. And he said, that team allows us to have the success that we have in the recruiting trail. So he was like, dude, they're the trailblazers. They are very important to the success of what he does, of what we do. And he talked about the fact of that passion. That is something that he really was really honing in on in that, in that interview. And he also talked about the fact of the toughness that that team has. And I hope that there's guys on that team that saw those guys coming in there, saw how they were revered by Illini Nation, and took away a little bit from that. Because that team wasn't the most talented team on the court, but it was going to be a dogfight for them 40 minutes. Coach Underwood definitely was excited when you asked that question about that 01-02 team. That was just good to see the passion come out of Coach, because Coach really sold you on, hey, if you're not anyone that, if you're a kid out there, right, listen to that presser who's not so sure about what class you want to go to, Underwood may have sold you on coming to Illinois if you're looking to play basketball or whatever, right? right? <laughs> he may have sold you on. And you're right, that passion and pride that he talked about, Perez, from those guys, from those teams, I was like, wow, that's unbelievable. And he just, I mean, he just started glowing. Coach started glowing, Perez. And I was like, man, you feel that excitement, like being proud of being a fan of Illinois. And he's right. Those guys talked about, you know, uh, what they've done, Perez, and remember, remember key moments of what they accomplished as a unit and was able to share some of those experiences with the rest of the guys. And I think um, that is valuable experience, viable learning if you're an Illinois player and those who are actually currently watching and hearing about Illinois and learning about that team. Yeah, and then the last thing that he kind of mentioned that really got me a little, obviously, as a media guy, you know, you don't want to show too much, but he he, he kind of made me blink my eye a couple of times. He said, this is why I came to Illinois, and this is why I want to be here forever. And I said, right. Coach, we would love to have you here forever, man, because I love the direction <laughs> of this program under you. And Coach is doing a phenomenal job, man. One of the things that you mentioned, Perez, about what Coach said, man, is about those teams not getting enough credit. He talked about, you know, what they were able to accomplish and what they meant to this to Illinois overall. And I thought that Coach Underwood really understand the value of those of those teams, man. And I think uh, that's always excellent when you hear a coach continue to speak highly of the people of the people who came before uh, some of these players now. So you gotta love the tradition. Yeah, you got to. And he he, he understands that. And that's what yep. you want as your head coach. But speaking of the tradition, now the bragging rights game is gonna take place later tonight. Under Brad Underwood, we have not beat Missouri, and this is a, one of our brutal rivals. And so this game here is going to be a big-time contest. This is the 52nd contest between those two teams. When you look at this Missouri team, a lot of people are looking at them on paper right now, looking at the record and thinking, ah, this team is trash. But I would say don't get fooled by that because you know their coach, Conzo Martin, he's going to make sure that these guys are ready to play. They're going to make this a hostile environment for our line not coming in on the road. And he really is. And I was looking at some of their players on their team. Brown had a good game against Utah Perez. And um, he's been one of the guys leading the way for that team. And they see Illinois coming in their building, man. It's like, hey, it's time to roll, right? It, it's going to create momentum for them because they know they've got a good team coming in they're fighting against. Illinois cannot take this team lightly despite record, Perez. We got to come out there and ball, man, and do what we do best. Inside, outside, make our shots, make our threes. I, knew that. I do know that Missouri do struggle, right, with guarding the three-point line. But overall, they can, they're one of those teams that can play above expectations. And this is one of those games where they can do it in. No, that's a, that's a fair point. Now, I will say this. Missouri's also coming off of a nice little win against Utah. So even though their season has been, to start, hasn't been the best, they have some momentum coming into this game. And also, let's Correct. not forget about the fact that they got the 
urgency in Illinois coming in here, and that's a game that you know that they want. You know Conzo Martin wants to beat Underwood, and you know he wants to beat Illinois. Absolutely. I'm quite sure you marked this calendar for this uh, game here, Francis. So you mentioned Kobe Brown, really dynamic ball player. This is going to be a matchup here, and I'm wondering what's going to be Missouri's approach going against us? Because Kofi is going to be the centerpiece for us on offense. Correct. So I wonder what's going to be their answer for Kofi. That's going to be tough for them to figure out that right there. I think they're going to probably do like every other, every other team tried to do, probably double-team them, uh, front them, try to force them uh, for us to make Chris uh, better passes, uh, interior passes. That's probably what they might try to do. But also they probably want to try to run against us as well. Well, and that's an area, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because when I look at this matchup, that's an area where I think that they may be able to have an impact against Illinois and scoring against us in the transition. Because when I ask you that question about Kofi, I think that Missouri is probably going to try to do the same thing they did against Kansas. They didn't let Kansas get many points in the post. They forced Kansas to shoot on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. Now, with Illinois being such a sharp-shooting team, I wish they would. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You do not want to give Palmer and Grenis a new type of shots, man. You don't want to do that. They don't want them problems, eh, Doug? No, no. Fraser, too, because Fraser can get hot. It's like, look, you don't want to play them kind of games with with this team, with Illinois. They're, they're crushing, man. They will kill you from deep. But I think for me, the two areas that I, I worry about with Illinois is in the transition and also with the fact that they turn the ball over quite a bit. That's something right. that they're going to have to clean up because if they give Missouri those second chances or they get them freebies with turning the ball over, hey, they got to convert. They're not St. Francis. So that's something right. we got to clean up. We definitely got to clean it up. And now hopefully we also clean up the rebounding. But we show signs of struggling in that area, too. So uh, if we clean it up, maybe we have a better, even better chance. But I don't think Missouri, like you said, is going to take us lightly. So we got to be prepared on all those things that you just mentioned as well. No, fair point there. But in this matchup later on tonight, audience, I expect our line to win. A close matchup is going to be physical. It's going to be everything that we expect in this rivalry. But I think our line are going to close this thing out and get this dub for us. I'm with you, Press. I think we're going to get this dub. Well, our Windy City Bulls. We don't have much to report to you guys on that one because they are still on COVID break. Their next matchup is going to be December 29th against the Greensboro Swarm. However, we got a couple of the Windy City Bulls players that are on the big team right now, Devon Dotson and Tyler Cook, and they got a little action in the last game. Yeah. So it's really nice to see the Windy City Bulls players making some contributions there for the Bulls. It was awesome to watch Tyler Cook and Dotson play. I mean, they both had some solid games, man, uh, coming off the bench. I was happy to see Dotson out there, man, showing some speed, showing some good passing ability. I, I was good to see Tyler Cook out there, Prez, still doing what he, do, what he was doing in G League, being around the basket and hustling. So it was just good to see these guys play. No, and, that, and that's a fair point. And Devon Dotson is just unfortunate because he finally got some good run there in that last game. And then he, next day, is on safety and health protocols. So just yet another guy from the Bulls team that's being impacted. But I wanted to piggyback off of what you said about Tyler Cook. That guy right there, like you said, is picking up where he left off from the G League. And this is just an example of how loaded this Bulls team is when you got a guy that talented in a Tyler Cook that has to be in the G League because there's no room for him on the big no league room. team. Right, yeah. right, right. Because the only reason why he's up right now is because of all the COVID and the injuries that we have right now. They've been getting some good playing time so far because of that. 
but they also, you know, as you mentioned as well, Perez, about them playing the G League too. So, I mean, you like what they're doing with how they're learning and how they continue to show progression. Yeah, we'll definitely see there. But looking at where our team stands right now with COVID, we got quite a few guys that are still out. We're looking at the situation now where I.O., Zach Levine, Alizé Johnson, these guys are probably going to be out until like after Christmas, right? Right, We also have the fact knowing that Troy Brown Jr. was recently removed off of the health and safety protocols. Kobe White recently was let off. Javante Green, DeMar, the MVP, DeRozan was recently removed off of healthy and safe protocols. And I'm telling you, A-Dub, that man's performance in that Lakers game, brother, mercy. Man, man, man. It was DeRozan versus LeBron, baby. That Ooh. was... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James, you know, the passer, the fourth quarter, right? The passer guy, you know, because he did not want that smoke with the Rosen. The no, fourth he quarter killer. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. LeBron was passing that shit every time it touched his hand. I was like, I see you. <laughs> I see you, fake king. I see you. Yeah, he did, man. He didn't want the smoke. And you, I'm glad you mentioned the Rosen, though, Press, because you see a huge difference in the game when DeRozan is actually not playing versus when he is, right? And against that Lakers team, you can see that guy is a closer, Perez. Hey, king of the fourth. Don't forget it. In that mid-range, man. It's deadly, bro. DeMar DeRozan, he can get his shot whenever he wants to, bro, whenever he wants to. And you can see when he starts coming up, and I say, okay, he get ready to fade away on you. It's it's nothing you can do. (laughs) Nothing you can do, man. Nothing. And so in that in that game on Sunday, I'm looking at it, 19 points in the fourth quarter, and he just right. made that shit look easy. That was his first game back. He put up 38 like it was nothing. It was like he on the court playing to his own pace. Like, you know what? I don't care who guard me. I can still get to my spots. No matter. He put Russell Westbrook on me. I, I'll torch him, too. I ain't got a problem with doing that. So Barbecue chicken. Okay, what <laughs> exactly. else you got? <laughs> exactly. What else you got? Okay, I got him. All right. Money on him, too. So it's like, DeRozan, man, is a smooth play. I like his game because it's smooth, Perez. It's smooth. Make it look easy, too. And just to piggyback off of that part, what, you, what you're saying with him. Now, we know that people said that he was the worst acquisition. We're past all that. We right. know that that person, when they wrote that, they probably were looking for some clickbait. Now you <laughs> just look like a damn fool because DeMar DeRozan uh, showed you all the shit y'all were talking about, about it being a poor fit between him and Zach Levine. These guys told y'all, don't worry about fit. We're going to make it happen. They did. Y'all yep. said that DeMar DeRozan was washed. He ain't. He got more than enough in that tank. Great acquisition there. This man may not be the MVP of the league, but he deserves to be in that conversation up there with Steph Curry and KD. Oh, absolutely. He's in that conversation, Perez. Definitely top three of you. Have you look at it? This guy's been money, man. And to me, the biggest thing about any great player, and you know how we felt about Michael Jordan, right? Is the fact that you close. I'm not calling the roles of Michael Jordan. All I'm saying is being able to close a game out, that's huge. And I'll tell you, man, DeRozan has not been a slouch in that area. He is a player, Perez, in that conversation for MVP, without a doubt. He's one of the top guys. We were shorthanded, bro. The Lakers, they still had LeBron. They still had Carmelo. They picked up IT. So they had some yep. guys out there. DeAndre Jordan stepped up because your boy Anthony Street closed. Davis was out. <laughs> Yeah, the Davis couldn't go. But you're right. They still have some guys out there, man. I think Melo, LeBron, Westbrook, they all play well. It's just that they didn't have enough to beat us. 
That means it shows that just shows you how good the Rose was. The Rose was able to take all those guys. But I also got to throw out there, man, and give your boy uh, Ball a lot of credit because he came out there firing away. He wasn't playing with the Lakers. Like, look, remember you guys did trade me. I ain't forgot. Yeah, he definitely stepped it up. Caruso as well, 17 points on his yep. own. You could tell LeBron and them guys was missing him out there. And I know the Lakers fans, they sat up here and they, they talk about that guy that they have on their team now, and they call him, what they call him, the Hillbilly Mamba. He's supposed <laughs> to be the Alex Caruso replacement. I'm like, man, get this guy out of my face. <laughs> he ain't nothing like Alex Caruso, man. Hell no, I'm, he ain't nothing like Alex nothing. Caruso. <laughs> I want Alex Caruso to keep proving me wrong because you remember, and you know me, I don't cap. This summer, I said, ooh, that's a lot of money they gave to Caruso. Guess what? I was wrong. Worth every penny. And I felt like I didn't know enough about him, friends. Like, I didn't see him enough because you know how it is. The Lakers, it's hard to play with LeBron in some aspects. So I really didn't know his value coming over to Chicago. But shoot, shoot. Hey, look, AK knew. AK done his homework. Them boys mm-hmm. realized, hey, Caruso going to be a, a, a gap for us. And, man, he has not let us down. You talk about defense, friends. He's a defender, man. Hey, look, he can ball. It's not just about scoring. Like you said, the defender, the intangibles, the guy ain't afraid to dive on the fucking ground. I love that type of intensity. And come playoff time, oh, you know there's going to be a bunch of Caruso chants in that that United Center. That is getting me excited right now thinking about playoff basketball because we have not had playoff basketball in this town in years. We are going to have some playoff basketball here. I'm already speaking it into existence, A-Dub. Sir, the boy's going to be there. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Now, we over here talking about Caruso, but it sucked in that game on Monday night seeing him leave with an injury because I have a feeling that he's probably not going to play tonight against the Raptors, A-Dub. No, he might not play, man. Um, I hope he gets well. I think it was his left knee or something like that, friends. I hope he's okay, man, because, you know, he's one, like you said, you just talked about it. He's one of those guys that got all the tens was willing to do the dirty work. So I just hope he's okay. We definitely going to need him long term, man. So get well. This is another game where Durham Martin Rosen had a good game, 26 points in this game. But this game happened to coincide with the Bears losing to the Minnesota Vikings. And now there was a lot of people that were conflicted when I was looking at the timeline on Twitter. Because you had people like, I'm watching Monday Night Football, but why am I watching this game when the Bears are fucking pissing me off and the Bulls <laughs> over here fucking doing work? And I told you, Adel, when I was at the game, I was sitting there on my phone watching the Bulls game, and I was out there watching the Bears game getting frustrated. So I was like, at least I got one thing that's making me happy over here. <laughs> yeah, you did, man, because the boys came to play, man. The Bulls definitely. You feeling down at that game, Perez. The Bulls gave you something to feel good about. And the one thing that I really enjoyed about the Rockets game, A-Dub, was how many people scored in double figures. It was a team scoring type of deal. And so yes. DeMar DeRozan didn't have to do all the work on his own. You had other guys that snapped off. Alfonso McKinney, my boy Kobe Woo! White snapped off. Woo! Lonzo Ball, come on now. Vooch. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Total team effort. You talk about bench mob, that's what the Bulls were, was in that game there. White came out, exploded for us, got to 20-plus points, did good. Cook, we talked about earlier, he did good, right? It was yeah, like was guys, yep. yep, McKinney, he did well. So it's like, man, these guys came in ready to play. The Shatown West Side product, McKinney, you know, he showed us something, man. So I was happy for him even being on this team. So he played very well, Perez, against the Rockets, making some big-time threes, too. And I like that they, dunk. Oh, my God, that dunk was nice. And he's making the most of his opportunity, A-Dub, because you mentioned, he's here because of all the injuries and the COVID things that are going on with yes. the teams. They signed him to a second 10-day contract. And I hope for some reason that they are able to extend that through the rest of the season because I've always enjoyed his game. I even loved when he was on Golden State. 
He's mm-hmm. had that talent. And I was wondering why a team hasn't given him a shot. And I hope that it happens here in Chicago because he can play. I hope we can keep him, man. To see guys who were underdogs, been out the league, want to come back. A guy like him playing his hometown press, that would be awesome, man. Now, going into this game tonight against the Raptors, the Bulls are going to have nine guys that are going to be available, and they signed your boy Ersan Ilyasova and Mac McClung. So that'll give us 11 guys. And I'm thinking that that's dependent upon if those guys arrive on time and they're cleared with no interruptions, meaning no COVID type of situation yeah. happens with those guys. So now when you look at this situation, Jones Jr., he had that hamstring injury. He's probably not going to play. Caruso, as I mentioned earlier, he's probably not going to play. But this Raptors game, I think it's going to be a nice battle because the Raptors match up pretty well against our team right now. And DeMar DeRozan gets to face his old team again. That's going to be really good to see. Definitely going to be good to see. You know how it is, always playing against your former team, you always get your jitters, right? And you kind of like know everybody probably in the front office and people in the back scenes of things you know, right? And it's always good to see those guys. But you know what, Perez? I hope it's going to be a good game for DeRozan to play against his former team, man. So you're right. It's not going to be a game that they're going to take lightly with against us, but I'm hoping that we can pull it out. And they have seven guys on their team that are out due to uh, safety and health protocols. So there's a lot going on right now in sports, man, with this damn variant. <laughs> it's just ripping through everything right now, bro. It really is, man. And you just don't know where the NBA going to go with this if it continue to get out of hand, Press. Well, that's the thing, because you know Adam Silver, he didn't want to postpone them games for the Bulls. So the thing about this, he's doing that. He's doing that when he is being forced to do it. But that right. man ain't going to do that shit. If he, if he, <laughs> he ain't going to do that shit just because, now. No, he ain't, man. Hey, I think you're not talking about this, man. Simply looking at that financial, like, hey, man, we need these dollars. We need the right. money. That's right. That's right. So we'll definitely see what happens um, once that new year hits A-Dub. But right now, at least I think we'll be able to finish these remaining slated games dependent upon if we don't have another continued outbreak because we got a lot of guys that are still out. But I want to segue before we get out of here, A-Dub, to the Chicago Bears. And I I mentioned it earlier. That Monday night loss to the uh, Minnesota Vikings, it was just one of those things that, you know, we just kind of all shrugged about. We were pissed off, but at the same time, when I woke up the next day, I said, hey, I want Matt Nagy out of here. So I'm never going going to root for my team to lose, but I want this head coach out of here. I'm just sick of him being here. This team is going nowhere fast, as I have continued to say. And it's just sad that we had a 10-loss season. I didn't think that we were going to be this bad. I went into this season thinking that we would win nine games. I thought we would be competitive. This is going the other way, though. Well, don't talk about what I said we would do. (laughs) We we, we, we we passed that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. I hope nobody holds that against me. But you're right, man. I didn't think 10 losses would uh, we'll get that. But, you know... uh, yeah, bad season, tough season. The results just wasn't there. We had some some small wins with certain players, but you're right. Overall, it's about results, and we didn't get those. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of that, and we talked about this on DBE, Thomas Graham Jr., we might have a player there. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to be able to do these next three games. He's got a good matchup here against that Seattle Seahawks. going to be a good opportunity for him. But I want to talk about Tevin Jenkins real quick. So I rewatched yes. the game today. And I said, okay, I want to focus in on Tevin Jenkins because I know that a lot of people have made a lot of commentary about his penalties. And that's something he's going to have to clean up. He's had a lot of those type of errors that he's made out there. When I rewatched the game and I focused solely on him and his side of the field, what I saw really pleased me, A-Dub. His tenacity. He's the first guy 
when David Montgomery is down on the ground, he's going to pick up his running back. When Justin Fields gets sacked and when Justin Fields gets tackled, Tevin Jenkins is the first person over there to get his guys off the ground. Not to mention what happened when that late hit by the Vikings on that defender, when he hit Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins was over there surrounded by Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Vikings players, not a single guy on his offensive line backed him up. Now, I did see Jameer Bird. Shout out to you. Jameer <laughs> Bird got into the mix a little bit, too. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. We got a couple guys there in that office that had a little bit of fight there. They weren't going for that shit. But this kid, he's got that fire. That is what we all wanted to see him bring to the table when we drafted him because we saw that on tape with him in college. He had that tenacity, that fire, and that nasty streak, man. Chris, I'm so happy you brought that up. And I'm glad you got a chance to look the fam on it, right? Because I know you were at the game, and now you actually got a chance to look at fam and right. really dial, dial in on him. You just shared some great stuff with us of picking up your running back, protecting your quarterback, making sure your quarterback is okay. Those are part of intangibles on the offensive line that I haven't seen from others, right, Press? So it's like, wow, I love this kid, man. Keep going, keep doing what you're doing because we know those penalties, right? He's going to get better with that, Press. We know his time is off a little bit. He haven't played. We get it. He'll be fine. But it just shows you those things they can clean up. But those intangibles, man, that's another level. This is his first start. And what I noticed when I rewatched everything on him was that his technique was better because when he got thrown out there into action, when Jason Peters went down in the game against the Packers, Tevin Jenkins' technique was awful. He just wasn't ready. It was a little sloppy with his footwork. But in this right. game, I saw a lot better. And also, one of the plays on film that really stood out to me, when Tevin Jenkins had that penalty, the next play, they had a running play. It went left, A.W. You might remember what I'm talking about. It went for a short game. But Tevin Jenkins, he played through the whistle, and he finished the play, and he launched the Minnesota Vikings defender. And when I Woo. saw that, I said, Damn, Anthony Barr went flying. <laughs> That's what you like right there, friends. That right there, finishing um, plays, man. And that's something in the offseason that you and I talked about on DBE, about just part of him, right, uh, being able to do those kind of things, finishing plays. So to yep. see that now is carrying over in the NFL, woo-wee. Watch out, Perez. I'm quite sure we're going to see a lot more of that down the road. And you know in that situation with Anthony Barr, he took out the fact that he was pissed off about that penalty that he had. He took that shit out on Anthony Barr. And that's what you want. You want a guy on your team that's so pissed off when he makes errors that he takes it out on the field and he does something like that because he played through the whistle. I love that. He's very competitive too, man. He's very competitive. I like that fire, especially he's coming from a rookie press. I like that. If we can continue to see that week-to-week growth, that's going to be great. So in addition to a guy like Thomas Graham Jr., Tevin Jenkins. I also want to see Jesper Horstead out there get some more playing time. Yeah. I want to see some of these guys out here that they could be a, a key piece of the future for this team. I want to see what these guys could do. Get them out there. Oh, I would love to see these guys play. I think right now, these last few games, this should be the opportunity right there that you mentioned. So hopefully Nagy and the, 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 um, the rest of the coaches, you know, make the right decision there. Let's let us see these guys a little bit more because we're not going anywhere this season. Nowhere at all. Let's just focus no. on development for these players. Do the right thing. All right, audience, final segment time. If this city could talk. If this city could talk, it would say happy holidays to you and yours. Enjoy this time. Be kind and respectful to each other because you never know what others are going through, especially during this time of year. Happy holidays. I love that, friends. If this city can talk, it would say be safe out there. 
Enjoy each other. Enjoy the moment. Christmas holiday, enjoy that with your family and loved ones. Merry Christmas to you all. We appreciate you guys' continued support of the Chicago State of Mind. As always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. Please join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. That Crave It app is available on Apple and Android applications. Happy holidays, and we are out. You asked all my teammates. The one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.